Well, you all may notice that I'm not Father Michael Archer. (laughs) But in the bulletin, it says Father Michael Archer is giving a sermon this morning. Father Michael Archer is up with his Cindy. Cindy this past week had some surgery that was outpatient surgery. We expected it all to go just fine, and he'd be here this weekend to celebrate with us. But there were some complications. Cindy is okay, and she's recovering, but she's not quite out of hospital yet. So I just ask your prayers this morning for Father Michael, and together we'll feast in the Word together and uphold both Cindy and Michael in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What does the church look like at its best? Well, this morning the scriptures take us on a journey. They take us from what the church looks like at its worst to the best. Now, the first set of scriptures we heard this morning was from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah offered a prophecy that revealed how broken the faith community had become in Israel. He said that they had been chasing after worthless things and had thus become worthless. And shame on them. They've been led out of slavery. They've been delivered from bondage in Egypt to this land flowing with milk and honey, this wonderful place of promise. And all they were worried about was how much milk and honey they could get. (laughs) They were worried about how they were going to gain as individuals. And they lost sight of the God who brought them out of bondage in the first place. The Lord likened their quest to someone who's building this cistern to carry water, but the cistern's just full of cracks. And right in plain vision is a wonderful source of flowing water that they somehow missed. Members of the faith community, the church at their worst, misses the point when they're looking for a fleeting sense of gain for the self. In the gospel this morning, we find Jesus observing this feast about ready to happen. It's being thrown by the Pharisees. And the guests are trying to decide who is going to get the place of honor. Am I going to get the place of honor? Should I sit there? Should you sit here? And they've lost sight of the feast. Sometimes we get caught up with who is going to be sitting where. And when I think about who's sitting where, I can't help but think about where we're all sitting this morning. (laughs) How many? Well, no, don't raise your hands. (laughs) We know who you are. Many of you are in the place you always sit. And you know what? There's nothing inherently wrong with that. You notice who's missing, so you can check in and see how they're doing. And when you're missing, someone says, hey, look, so-and-so is not in his or her place. And when a newcomer comes and sits down in your seat, you certainly know who the newcomer is. (laughs) There's nothing inherently wrong with that. I heard um, from the stories that people have told me about life at St. Wilfred's, that in the former worship space, on the pews, what were there? Can somebody shout it out? Nameplates. Lovely brass nameplates that said, who donated what pew? And my guess is that some people really like sitting in the pew with their (laughs) nameplate. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, inherently. Well, when I was 10 years old, I used to go to church at the Presbyterian Church with my family. And there was a family that sat in front of us. We always sat in the same pew, too. But they always, always sat in that place. And one morning, they were running a little late to worship. And a new family came in, looked around for a place to sit, and that spot looked really good. So they went and sat in the pew where this man and his family always, always sat. And they prepared for worship. Well, the man and his family showed up. They walked in and, oh, somebody's in our place. And he goes up and very graciously taps the man, the other man and his family on the shoulder. Excuse me, that's our seat. Can you go find another pew? (laughs) I'm a 10-year-old watching all of this and Sue waiting, seeing what was going to happen next. Well, the family got up and they found another pew down the street at the church next door. (laughs) And for all I know, they're still in that pew down at the First Christian Church. I think it's human nature to have a preferred seat, place where we feel comfortable. And um, sometimes our community is strengthened by the power to check in with one another, but I think it's dangerous when we focus on that seat rather than why we're coming to sit in the first place. Well, Jesus this morning was observing those folks at dinner, trying to decide who was going to sit in what place. And of course, Jesus turns everything upside down and tells them a story and says, you know what? You pick the place of least honor, and that's where it's at. And then the other people who come in will be guaranteed to have a good place to sit. Well, I can tell you that this parable was not very popular with the Pharisees because I just went to Disneyland with the youth yesterday. (laughs) And throughout the week, the youth have been texting one another. You can confirm or deny this. About who had the fast pass and how we were going to get in the groups so that we could get on the rides as quickly as possible. It's human nature to want to have the best seat. And everyone was excited and deciding who was going to be in what group. And it was certainly going to be a wonderful day where everybody got on as many rides as possible with those fast passes. Well, everyone was sending those texts around. I was trying to figure out how in the world I was going to walk around Disneyland all day. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, I sprained my foot. Goofing off, I jumped off of, I had been decorating for a party, jumped off a table, rolled my foot. Well, how in the world am I going to get around Disneyland? So I'm at home on the couch with my foot up (laughs) as the text messages are rolling around. And I thought, by Friday afternoon, I'll know whether or not I can do this. By Friday afternoon, I have my foot up with the ice and the compression. (laughs) So by the morning, I packed a backpack full of things, reading material, crossword puzzles, music, snacks, and I prepared myself to sit on a bench all day while the youth went around and rode the rides and they could check in. Well, in the morning, it took my husband to make the suggestion that I might take a seat of a little bit lower honor and get a wheelchair. (laughs) Jesus says, choose the lowest seat. I think 
Sometimes Jesus needs to know that we have to be pushed into choosing that seat. So I went to Disneyland and hobbled, hobbled to the gate and got that wheelchair. And I wondered, what are the youth all going to think about their youth pastor who's normally running all around in a wheelchair? Well, they didn't seem to mind at all. <laughs> because guess what? You get the best seat <laughs> when you have the wheelchair. So, the best seat in the house and at the park, that's right. So, um, we all got together before we were going to split off for the day and figure out who got what fast pass and went where. And at that meeting, as I sat in that wheelchair, everything changed. One, because we were going to get the best seats on the rides, some of us. But also because those kids realized this was about us being there together. So, we didn't split up all day long. Or if we did, we came back and checked in. And sometimes we got the best seats on the rides, and sometimes it was a real pain because we had to go up and down elevators and around bends and away back through other ways to get on the ride. But our purpose for being at Disneyland changed. It wasn't about conquering the place and getting as much as we could out of it. It was about being there together and getting the most of our time together. It was a celebration. We all sat together at lunch and we ate together. We all delighted in one another's presence all day. Perhaps this is the essence of the parable of the wedding feast. When it stops being about who's going to get what or who's going to sit where, it just becomes about everybody enjoying the feast making sure everyone gets to take part. It becomes the truest sense of a banquet. This is what the church looks like at its best. As the letter to the Hebrews encourages us this morning, let mutual love continue. Understand that the lives of others, if they're hurting, if they're in prison, if they're being tortured, if they've made mistakes, if they're crippled, if they're deaf or blind, understand their life as if it's your very own. Be content with what you have. Show hospitality to strangers. Because in doing so, you might have entertained an angel without knowing it. There was one time when I didn't go on a ride with the, with the youth. They went over to the pirate's island. And that was the time I had to come up with this sermon for this morning. (laughs) They came back, and because they weren't worried about who was getting on first, they saw a little girl who needed to find her mother. And they helped her find her mother. Letting that mutual love continue, they reached out to the stranger and made sure that she was reunited with her mom. Some of you early risers... There aren't a lot of you in here who attend the 7 a.m. Eucharist on Wednesday. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we all gathered together. Now, all these 7 a.m. people, they do have their seats. Don't get me wrong. But there are plenty of seats open for any of you to join anytime you want. But every week after hearing the Liturgy of the Word, those people come and gather around the altar 
to share in the feast. Well, two weeks ago, we were up sharing that feast together and began the Eucharistic prayer. And a face appeared in the door back there to the chapel. And I kept going on with the Eucharistic prayer, but I noticed some of the, some of the people looking back, who is that person? We've never seen him before. And there was a natural break, and everyone kind of looked at me with a sense of urgency where we stopped the prayer altogether. And one of the women went out and found that man and invited him in to the feast. Now you could imagine the bewilderment of this man (laughs) who's just been accosted by someone from St. Wilfred's and told to come in and join the feast. But he came in, and he joined us. And before we began saying those powerful words at the table, that powerful prayer of that feast together, he told us who he was, and we told us who we were. And he let us know that his mother was about ready to die. And together we prayed with him, and then we feasted together. This is the church at its best. It might have seemed a little bit strange to interrupt the sacred, holy Eucharist to go out and see who was out there. But those who were gathered at that table saw that making a little space to widen the circle, inviting that stranger in, was actually the point of what we do each week at this table. It's what we mean when we say we are having communion. I've heard Father Charles say before how he imagines heaven. You can imagine Father Charles's voice. (laughs) I won't try to imitate. I don't know how God is going to do it, but I just imagine that heaven's like a party where everyone's invited. I can imagine that we can achieve glimpses of heaven on earth, if we start to forget about whose seat is whose, if we can be humble enough to scoot over and welcome everyone to the party. Sometimes you have no choice but to take the humble seat. Sometimes you're forced into it. Sometimes life is challenging and hard. And you by no choice of your own, have to take the lowest seat at the table. Some of you are in here this morning, and the others of you in here this morning who are blessed by God, taking that place of honor, perhaps, or just perhaps a good seat in your life, you have the opportunity to scoot over and put your arm around the broken one and to share the seat. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what seat you're sitting in today, literally or figuratively, you are invited to the feast. Together we continue to give thanks and to praise God at the banquet table. And this is the church at its best. Amen.